Hello and welcome to episode two of Derbyshire Wildlife Trust's podcast with me, Ian Pringle. It's Friday the 20th of March, um, which is important to say because right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, The coronavirus is sweeping the world and it's a bit of a scary time for lots of people. So, um, and and because of that, lots of people are self-isolating, myself included at the moment. So, um... I wanted to do something for people that at the moment maybe can't get outside, can't get out into nature as much as they'd like to. Um, So a while ago, Charlie and I, my son, who's six, we took a little journey down to Avenue Washlands Nature Reserve and um, we recorded some stuff while we were there. We didn't um, find that much nature, but there's certainly lots in the background for you to listen to. So I thought this might be just a nice sonic journey for you. And what I've done is I've spliced parts of that journey throughout the rest of the show. So there are three articles I'm going to be reading from the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust magazine um, about wildlife issues in Derbyshire. Um, But in between those episodes, there's going to be some sonic experiences for you, which is a bit of me and Charlie chatting and some background sound of wildlife. And hopefully that'll just take you out um, from where you are right now as you listen to this podcast. So here you go. So, Charlie and I have come to Avenue Washlands Nature Reserve. Um, it's quite a nice sunny day, and we're hoping to see a little bit of wildlife. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, good, thanks. Hoping to see a bit of wildlife um, amongst the wetlands. What what we're we looking for in particular, Charlie? Eels. Eels. Yeah. So hopefully, we want to find some eels, Charlie. Can you read what that says? Keith's Pond. This is Keith's Pond. I think that, um, uh, like, that animal's pond, then. Oh, do you think that might be Keith? Yeah. Could be, though, Keith the cow. (laughs) Keith the cow. Keith the cow. Hmm, well... If there is eels in there, we're not going to be able to see them, are they? Because we can't get very close to the Sadly, we didn't get to see any eels, which was hardly surprising. A little bit tricky and very cold in the water um, at this time of year. But uh, here's a little bit of information about European eels for you. A Slippery Customer. The Incredible Life of the Elusive Eel. By Rowley Smith. It used to be one of Britain's most common fishes, but few people have ever seen one. It's the only European fish to migrate between continents, yet despite years of study, no one has ever witnessed its spawning. The astonishing life cycle of the European eel, Anguilla anguilla, remained one of nature's greatest unsolved mysteries until the Danish biologist Professor Johann Schmidt caught the youngest eel larvae ever to be found in a 1922 expedition to the Sargasso Sea between the Bahamas and Bermuda. The Sargasso is a calm, clear blue rotating current anchored in the western Atlantic and is the only named sea in the world with no land boundaries. More importantly, though, it is the home of the characteristic brown Sargassum seaweed within which the European eel and all other eel species are thought to spawn. And it's from here that the slimy-skinned eel, such as those that are found in the Trust's Avenue Washlands Reserve near Wingerworth and in the Derbyshire Derwent, Dove and Wye, 
will migrate over 3,000 miles to what must surely be some of their most inland habitats in Britain. As they approach the European coast, propelled by the Gulf Stream and North Atlantic Drift, the larvae metamorphose into a transparent, flattened larvae, which are known as glass eels. It can take up to a year for the million or more eels to cross the Atlantic. When they reach Europe, the glass eels enter tidal estuaries, and many then begin their nocturnal migration upstream in muddy rivers and streams and into ponds, ditches and canals. After entering their freshwater inland habitats, the glass eels metamorphose once again into the darker-coloured elvers, which are miniature versions of the adults. As the eel grows and matures, it eventually becomes known as a yellow eel, due to the bronze-yellow colour of its sides and belly. After five to twenty years spent feeding and growing in freshwater ponds and lakes, such as those found in the Derbyshire coal measures, eels become sexually mature. Their eyes grow larger, their flanks become silver, and their bellies turn white. At this stage, the eels are known as silver eels, and they begin their marathon five-month return trip across the Atlantic to the Sargasso Sea to spawn. Despite their energetic, globe-trotting lives, eels are long-lived creatures and can reach up to 50 years of age. Captive specimens have lived over 80 years, but the longevity record appears to be a Swedish eel which apparently lived for 155 years in the well of a family home in a fishing village in the south of the country. Of course, everything in nature is connected, and eels form a very important part of the diet of a range of wildlife, including pike and other predatory fish, herons, red-breasted mergansers, goosanders and otters. Being highly nutritious with a high fat content, eels have also long formed a significant part of the human diet. There are records in the Doomsday Book, 1086, of some places on English rivers yielding up to 1,000 or 2,000 eels every year. Eels do make excellent eating, either smoked, pickled, grilled or just cooked fresh. The famous jellied eels and eel pies of London's East End have long been a favourite dish of the true cockney immortalised both in story and song. The weapon used to catch the mature silver eels was usually the eel spear, a three-pronged wooden weapon a bit like a Neptune's trident. Modern methods include a slightly modified weapon which is shoveled into the mud of the river bottom to pinion the eel between its flattened tines. The younger glass eels are still trapped in huge numbers in the large river estuaries such as the West Country Seven and Wye, in wickerwork traps or baskets, as they have been for centuries. But according to the International Union for Conservation of Nature, IUCN, the European eel is now on the critically endangered list. In recent years, much of the eel's habitat has been degraded or lost due to land reclamation, the building of dams and reductions in water quality. In combination with overfishing, this has led to the number of eels reaching Europe declining by over 90% since the 1970s. Let's hope further improvements in water quality and to the environment generally, such as has happened at the Avenue Washlands, will not allow these elusive, slippery customers to slide into extinction. There's a lovely stream running through the nature reserve. 
Yeah, reed bed. So I think this is the place where you might see um, a few more birds. You might see water vole. And in this river, we might see an eel if we look for long enough. Sand martins, you can see sand martins here. The artificial nesting bank you can see across the water provides nesting opportunities for up to 96 sand martins each summer. They might not be back yet though. Flash of yellow. Yeah. It's amazing, wasn't it? I think that was a yellow. I think it was a yellow hammer. Well, I've got a very blurry picture of it. HS2. What does it mean for Derbyshire's wildlife? By Kieran Houston, Biodiversity Planning and Policy Manager. I've been researching the effect that HS2 will have on Derbyshire's wildlife for many years. The results are not pretty. Here are my findings. The proposed high-speed 2B HS2 Phase B railway line is to cut through over 25 miles of Erewash, Bolsover, North East Derbyshire and Chesterfield. Over 5,000 acres of land is likely to be affected and at least 550 acres is known to be wildlife-rich habitat that will either be lost or significantly reduced. It also means there will be more and more habitat fragmentation at a time when we're trying to reconnect landscapes. Industrial Revolution HS2 represents one of the largest infrastructure projects of recent times and certainly the largest in Derbyshire since the construction of the M1. Although the line will be around 20 to 25 metres wide, construction requires significant changes to adjacent land alongside the track and constructors will need to use additional land for storage of materials, drainage, flood alleviation, access roads and new infrastructure for the line. Embankments, cuttings and viaducts will be constructed in several areas and bridges will have to be raised or demolished. The line itself will ultimately occupy around 247 acres of land in Derbyshire, but by the time it's built the wider damage and changes to the landscape will be considerable. It will be devastating to the wildlife of the coalfields, an area only just recovering from the ravages of coal mining, quarries, steel and ironworks. The impact. 
At least 56 local wildlife sites and potential local wildlife sites recognised as valuable for habitats like ancient woodlands, willow and elder car woods, reed beds, swamps, ponds, meadows, hedgerows and veteran trees will be affected, including 32 that will be totally destroyed or lose more than 50% of their habitat. A further 8 will be reduced by 10 and 49%. Another 16 sites could suffer some loss of habitat or damage from disturbance, noise, lighting and dust, as well as changes to hydrology. Many additional habitats that have not been fully assessed yet are also likely to disappear. Indeed, the total area of habitat that will be lost has not yet been quantified by HS2 consultants. Our Objection We have objected to the draft environmental statement we are especially concerned about the impact of HS2B on initiatives to reconnect landscapes, what we're calling a nature recovery network, through this part of Derbyshire. Some of the sites affected are core areas where we would hope to see habitats being better managed, expanding and making new connections to other sites. The river valleys of Erewash, Rother and Doe Lee are especially important in this respect. HS2B impacts could set this process back 20 to 30 years and, in places, the opportunity for nature's recovery will be severely diminished. At a time when 41% of species are in decline across the UK, State of Nature 2019, the impacts of HS2B need to be assessed in detail and the mitigation and compensation for those impacts should be aimed at achieving a significant net gain for wildlife. This is not the case, and the working draft of the Environment Statement did not include robust, up-to-date assessments. Nor does HS2B aim to provide a net gain for biodiversity simply to avoid a net loss. If the impacts on species and habitats are not quantified in full and subject to independent assessment, how can we ever expect to know the full extent of the impacts? Our Investigations Key Species our own assessment, based on data we hold, paints a bleak picture. HS2B will potentially impact on many species that are already in decline. Birds that are on the red list, such as grey partridge, lapwing, cuckoo, willow tit, skylark, grasshopper warbler, tree sparrow, yellow wagtail, linnet and yellowhammer will lose habitat and be displaced. Key breeding and foraging habitats for grated crested newt, grass snake and common lizard will be lost and populations risk being isolated. Declining butterflies, such as dinghy skipper, small heath and white letter hair streak will also be affected. For dinghy skipper, several populations including several of the largest recorded in this part of the county will be significantly affected. These impacts could be enough to reduce the distribution of these species across eastern Derbyshire. There are likely to be adverse impacts on mammals, including five or more species of bat, waterbowl, otter, brown hare, badger and hedgehog. Impacts on waterbowl in the Erewash floodplain at Doe Hill Community Park and along parts of Doe Lee could be significant. Many of the habitats affected support diverse plant communities, such as those found in ancient woodlands, old meadows, marshes and ponds. Many rare and threatened plant species, including lesser water plantain, common cudweed, fine-leaved water dropwort, narrow-leaved everlasting pea, dyer's greenweed, water violet, 
spiny rest harrow, marsh valerian and marsh arrowgrass, as well as a number of plants that are now near threatened in England, such as ragged robin and field scabious, are also at risk. Our investigations, key sites. Key sites that will be affected include the loss of land on the Derbyshire and Nottinghamshire border in and around Totten sidings. This has become an important green corridor, a fairly wild space of open grassland, scrub, self-set trees and ponds, just the kind of habitat that our wildlife needs. Further north, the route will damage floodplain marshes and wet grassland. Close to Hillcott, around 27 acres of scrub, woodland, wetland and flower-rich grassland that form an important corridor between Derbyshire and Nottinghamshire and is a home to the great crested newt, grass snake, yellowhammer, reed bunting, bullfinch and song thrush will be lost. Current mitigation is fairly limited and does not really address the extent of the impacts. Other local wildlife sites that will be damaged include Morton Railway, loss of marshy grassland and mire, Padley Wood, loss of ancient semi-natural woodland, Highwood and Thompson's Halt, loss of ancient semi-natural woodland, Robinson's Lum, loss of ancient woodland, Heath Hedges, loss of hedgerow, Junction 29 Meadow, loss of wet grassland, Baton Fields, loss of meadow and wet woodland, and Alcott's Wood, loss of broad-leafed woodland. A threat to our Avenue Washlands Nature Reserve from proposed work to upgrade the line has now fortunately been reduced and will largely be confined to areas adjacent to two bridges near the site. Other areas where there are significant impacts could include land west of Hardwick Hall where there could be impacts on ancient woodlands and ponds, land in and around our Carvale Nature Reserve, Peter Fiddler Reserve, Bolsover Colliery Marsh and Snipe Bog, where around seven acres of wetland habitat may be lost. At Carvale, an embankment would be constructed along the western border of the reserve. The proposed line renewal to the former Staveley Steel and Coal Works will potentially result in the loss of 148 to 222 acres of marsh, ponds, reed beds and grassland habitats. This includes the Dolee Flash, and Paulsbrock Flash, both local wildlife sites that form a fundamental part of the wider network of wetlands in this area. For reasons that remain unclear, around 29 acres of marsh, reed bed, wet woodland and open water would be lost mainly to associated development. Meagre mitigation. In many cases, known losses of habitat are not being replaced on a like-for-like -like basis, so for example, proposals for loss of wetland may include tree planting and grassland. Equally, the areas of habitat loss are not necessarily being replaced in full. While some recent changes in the south may reduce impacts for some sites and species, the situation remains very serious. It seems unlikely that the scheme will be able to mitigate and compensate for habitat losses unless it adopts greater flexibility regarding the route and location of ancillary works and a much more ambitious programme of habitat creation, restoration and long-term management. Act now. Email inquiries at derbysherewt.co.uk to sign up to our campaign newsletter and be notified first about any developments with HS2 and other wildlife catastrophes. Have you found something? We didn't see a lot, no. 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 But we don't really know what we're looking for, you know. <laughs>
I'm not bad on the birds. I had a good teacher with my, my father. Oh, really? Some plovers. Um, oh, is that those black and white ones? Yeah. What plovers. are they called? Lapwings, plovers. Lapwing plovers. Lapwings. Is it, is it a colloquial name, is it? Plovers. Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. lapwings. Lapwings. Ah, brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> lapwings, Charlie. So you got a picture of the lapwing. So how's it been at um Avenue Washlands? Good. Good? What, what have you liked about it? Um probably the yellow bird thing. The yellow bird, because we didn't we didn't quite know what it was, was it? We think it might have been a yellow hammer. Think it'd be nice to come back here again? Yeah. yeah. I think I'd come back here again. On a when when spring's set in a little bit more, I think there'll be a lot of wild activity here. It's great. So we thoroughly enjoyed our hour or two. We were probably down there for about two hours at Avenue Washlands, and it was great just getting outside. Um, there's loads of birds down there. I mean, you can just hear the bird song all the time when you're walking around, and that in itself is beautiful, even if, like us, you don't really know what you're looking for. Um, the lapwings were astonishing with their display, and it was lovely to catch a glimpse of a yellow hammer, or at least that's what we think it was, a yellow bird, um, which are quite endangered at the moment. Anyway, we're almost done, but before we finish up, just a quick reminder that spring is on its way. Global Travellers with a Local Tale by Tim Birch, Director of Nature's Recovery. People often ask, where are the wildlife spectacles in Derbyshire? I can think of quite a few, but I wasn't expecting to encounter one when I was invited to join the Sorby Breck Ringing Group one evening at the end of August at our beautiful Avenue Washlands Nature Reserve. That night, the group were hoping to ring swallows that assemble in the reed bed on the reservoir prior to their migration to South Africa for the winter. It turned out to be one of the most exciting evenings I've ever spent. I don't think I've ever seen so many swallows wheeling and diving over the reed beds. As darkness approached, there must have been up to 500 birds. I had no idea that swallows had their own murmurating dance across the evening sky as the sun set. The mist nets used to catch the birds had been set up earlier in the evening when very few swallows were present. When I first arrived, the odd swallow was skimming over the reserve and I wondered why so many bird ringers had turned up given how few birds were around. How wrong I was. I needed to know more. I had a lot of questions. Why were so many swallows roosting in the reed beds of the avenue in late August? Where were these swallows from? How important was the avenue at county and even national level for swallows? What did the bird ringing achieve and what have we learned from ringing swallows over the years? Let's start by looking at why the swallows were congregating and roosting here. What I learned was that swallows gather in reed beds, both large and small, across the country towards the end of their breeding season. They then set out on their long winter migration back to South Africa, where they will stay until the spring the following year before returning to the UK and across Europe to breed once more. Preparing for migration. Exactly why they all gather in these large roosts is still not entirely clear. They are extremely noisy affairs, with swallows chattering into the night from the reed beds. It seems quite likely that the birds are exchanging information between each other, similar to starlings at their winter roosts. The birds will spend several days here while they continue to increase their body weight through feeding around the surrounding countryside. Getting their bodies into optimum condition for the long migration is critical. 
No doubt there is a benefit from roosting in a relatively safe area like a reed bed and the large numbers reduce the chances of being preyed upon during the night. We know that these roosts also contain a lot of young birds that have fledged over the summer. Global Travellers Where do all these swallows roosting at the avenue come from? In order to answer this question, Salby Breck Ringing Group have kindly provided information on birds that have been ringed over the year and where they have been recovered from. Looking at the ringing records from the avenue over the past 10 years, it is clear that the late summer roost is important for swallows from the surrounding area in Derbyshire and wider afield in the region. Birds from Wakefield in Yorkshire have been caught and birds from further north in Derbyshire such as Middleton Moor. It seems, therefore, that the reed bed at the avenue is acting as a motorway service station for migrating swallows moving south. This site is one of many across the country and in other countries that swallows will use to rest and feed as they move south to South Africa for the winter. Amazingly, looking at the ringing records, one swallow rung at the avenue in August 2015 was found in Transvaal in South Africa in November 2017, so we have a good idea where our swallows are heading. National Importance what has become clear is that sites such as the reed beds at the avenue are of both local and national importance. We know that swallows are in decline across Europe. This seems to be for a number of reasons, including decreased insect numbers to feed on when breeding, the loss of suitable farm buildings to nest in, and climate change impacting on their breeding, migration, and on their wintering grounds. In the UK, there are estimated to be approximately 5,000 hectares of reed beds across 900 sites. Of these, only about 50 are greater than 20 hectares, so the number of smaller reed bed sites across the country, such as at the Avenue, are extremely important. As reed beds have suffered widespread loss due to drainage, agricultural improvement and abandonment over the last century, the remaining areas tend to be smaller and fragmented, so those that are left have increased importance for the biodiversity that they support. Any reduction in feeding and roost sites could therefore have a substantial impact on the breeding population in the UK which, although considered to be in the region of 375,000 pairs, has shown decline and is now an amber-listed species of medium conservation concern. To estimate how many swallows use the avenue each year is difficult, but we see total numbers coming into the roost of anything between 300 to 600 individuals in an evening during late summer slash early autumn. Sorby Breck Ringing Group have estimated that on an annual basis, based on their ringing records and observations, the avenue sees swallows traffic of between 10,000 to 15,000 individuals. Astonishingly, this would account for around 4% of the total UK population. We need to do everything we can to ensure such sites as the avenue continue to provide a haven for our swallows. We have a national and international responsibility to do so. So there you go. That is episode two of the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust podcast with me, Ian Pringle. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that you've been inspired to get out and find out some more about the wonderful creatures that live just down the road from you. Um, in particular, I was amazed by the European eel, something I didn't really know anything about until I read that article. And now I'm really inspired to find out more and, uh, yeah, to... to to hopefully maybe see one for real if Charlie and I get lucky one day. 
If you want to hear more about the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust and the work that they're doing, go to the website derbyshirewildlifetrust.org.uk and you can find out more about the things that you can do, um, volunteering opportunities, um, opportunities to support the Wildlife Trust, paying money on a monthly basis where you can receive the magazine that I'm reading from, these articles come from. Um, There's loads and loads of things to find out about. So if you're interested, take a look. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye.